So some of the main things that God launched into us over the last really month or so, really coming into supernatural September, middle of August, it just kind of boom. And then we came into supernatural September and then October. And then the conference was supposed to be at the end of October. And then we had to move it. Then we had to move it again in November. And, and, and it's so interesting to see how God orchestrates things, how he sets things up. Something we can never forget, friends, is this. We must praise God at all times. The Bible says in Psalm 100 that when we enter his courts, his presence, enter it with what? Thanksgiving and praise. Well, I don't have anything to praise him about. Well, you're not six feet under. I don't have anything to praise him about. Well, maybe you can talk and walk and think and speak. I don't have anything to praise him about. Maybe you have a roof over your head. See, you can always find things to praise him about. You can praise him about things that has not happened in your life. You can praise him things that you're not addicted with. You can praise him for things that you've been free of. You can praise him with things that you need to be free of, and you start giving thanksgiving that it's done. You say, well, how do we, how do we keep, you know, praise? And, or how do we keep uh, faith from that conference? How do we keep the anointing on our lives from that conference? How do we keep deliverance? How do we keep healing? How do we keep provision from that, from that conference? You know how you keep it? By thanksgiving. I said by thanksgiving and praise I love what Pastor Toy says. He says when, when we're believing, you know, we're believing in faith and standing and God's in it and all that, but it says, man, whenever you begin to praise him, he comes on the scene himself. He's like, step aside, angels. Daddy's here. He, he, he sets the angels aside and just intervenes himself. You see, there's, in, 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 whenever we talk about, okay, Holy Spirit, Whenever we talk about intercession, that's one of the seven kinds of prayer. Intercession is made up by three definitions. When you pray intercessory prayers for someone, the first part of that is you're praying um, intercession. You're praying for um, intervention, intersection. What's my other one? Huh? Huh? Intersection, intervention. I'll get it in a minute. It'll come. There's three parts to it. Number one, whenever I'm praying the prayer of intercession, that means prayer for another. I can pray through my prayer language, through English, however I want, or just start praising God for them. What happens is God intervenes into their lives. He intervenes into their lives. They, they could be in a, a dangerous situation. You release your angels out over them, but you're also praying maybe for their healing or for their joy or for their salvation or for provision or healing. Whatever it is that you're believing for, and what happened when prayer for another intercession is, is whenever God intervenes, you're inviting him to intervene on his behalf for that person. Another thing is, is that he, oh, okay, intervene, intercept, intersects. Okay, I, I knew I'd get it. Just preached it for 30 years, I should know. So, so the second part of intercession is he will not only intervene, but he will what? Intersect. In other words, somebody could be at a, a crisis in their life to make the right decision. It could, affect, it could affect everything, a strategic inflection point. And when you're praying, you don't even know maybe you're even praying what you are. You're just praying for them. 
And all of a sudden, when they're at that intersection with that decision, that changes everything. God is going to be there with them to help them make that decision. And then the other one is interception. That's why the Bible talks about faith. You know, we have the shield of faith, what? To intercept the fiery darts from the enemy out of Ephesians 6. Intercept, that means whenever Satan is trying to take them out, you can not only pray for God to intervene, you can pray for him to intercept the attack of the enemy, the attack of the enemy, the, 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 the spirit of heaviness, whatever it is that needs to be intercepted. So when we pray for another and it's the form of prayer of intercession, it does three things. It intercepts, intersects, and intervenes. You say, well, what's the right kind of prayer? Well, if I'm on a one-lane, two-lane road real tight and a semi's coming around, there's a mountain on one side and a guardrail on the other, and it goes crossways, and I'm in my vehicle, and I have nowhere to go, you know, you can yell Jesus if you want to, but here's the thing. You better hope and pray. You pray the right prayer, and that means God intervene. <laughs> Come into this, and God intercept this thing so I can make it through to the other side. I know of two times before I was ever saved, I should have been dead in a car. Two times. I mean, I, I, I know an angel turned me around and took me. I could have went over a huge mountain, and I just got a brand-new car and was driving home. I was driving this country road real fast up on this mountain going home and had something I was in my hand that wasn't a cigarette, and I'm just, you know, 17 and stupid. And all of a sudden, I come around a curve, and there's this flatbed truck backed out off coming out of some driveway, and it's on a little bit of a straight stretch, and there's two or three vehicles, and I knew the person in the truck coming at me, and all of a sudden, they're driving. They're trying to do what they can do, and I just looked at it, and I just saw my little car getting ready about 60 miles an hour to go right into the side of that flatbed truck, and I just cut one way, and when I cut the other, I could have went over a 100-foot embankment, but somehow that car went... And I still remember Pam and her, now her husband is her boyfriend. Then I, I remember uh, her name was Pam Hammond. I, I forget what her maiden her name is now. She was in school with me. And I never forget their faces were this big when they saw this little red flash go around them. I didn't do that. But I had a praying mama. And she's covering me. I, I remember one time being with a buddy, and I had this little little two-seater, and I'm flying back. You know, didn't have a thing three months. I'm flying through this country road, and we just started drinking a little bit, just opened the first beer, and all of a sudden, I said, let me show you what this thing I do. And I didn't know the road. I went first, second, wide open, and third. When I hit fourth gear from here to the soundboard, the road went back down under. And I'm like, this is not good. And I'm sitting there, as God is my witness, with no seatbelt, and I said, you've finally done it. You've killed yourself. Because all I saw was this huge tree at Alma McCoy's store up on the hill. And I saw this huge tree, and me and my buddy are just flying right at it. And I thought, I saw, you know, people say you see your life. I didn't see my life. I saw, you're an idiot. <laughs> and I didn't even brace. I just said, you've done it. you finally killed yourself. And somehow, as I'm flying about five feet high up to, toward the tree, going probably 80 miles an hour, something happened with my car, and it dipped down just enough 
that it hit right under the tree, glanced and hit the side of the tree. We did flip up on our top and go about 50 to 100 feet down the road on our top. And it was just getting dark. And all I felt was liquid. I thought, oh, my God, I'm bleeding to death. Me or Paul David is with me. We're bleeding to death. One of us, are ble we're bleeding to death. We crawl out of the car. Somebody pulls up and has a flashlight. We look. It was Michelob all over us. That's all it was, Michelob. You know what I had? I, one little tiny scratch. Like, um, not even a, you couldn't even, it'd be like you just accidentally scratched yourself. He had no marks on him. We, I broke the mirror with my head and the windshield, and he broke the sun visor and the windshield by him, and neither one of us had heart in life. Now, we didn't deserve that. And we didn't do that. And we say, but God. But here's what I want you to realize. Instead of just saying stuff, say it. You know what the Greek word for say is? Epo. It means to declare a thing, to make a declaration. In other words, when you say something from God with faith, uh, that's in agreement with God and his word, it becomes like a declaration. It, it, you could write out your declaration. I used to do it in my young walk with God when I was believing for something. I'd write out a declaration and put my faith on it and sow a seed toward it. And sometimes I still do that and, 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 and declare a thing. I made a declaration over it. So you can speak or you can speak. You can talk or you can talk. So I want you to get the weightiness of this matter, of what's happening right now. The power, you know, the Bible, we hear, we remember the scripture, the power of life and death is in your tongue, right? The issues of life flow out of your heart. So, so th that's so true. A lot of people have faith, then they think they don't. Because all you speak is worry and anger and unforgiveness, and guess what? You got faith to walk in that very strongly. You're good at it. You're one of the best warriors you know. You're one of the most angry people you know. You're one of the most fearful people you know. Why? Because that's where your faith is. See, you can have faith in the negative just like you can the positive. So why not get faith in agreement with God versus faith in agreement with where you've been and where you think you can't go? Somebody say amen this morning. Well, I had to pull old Betsy out on you. She's kind of rough right now, but she's hanging in there. Turn with me to Isaiah, turn me to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. Hallelujah. And this is where Jesus came back to where he grew up, into the temple that he went when he was a young child, up to he became a man of thirty before he moved on just a couple chapters previous and was baptized by John and the heavens opened and the Spirit of the Lord, Holy Spirit, came out in the form of a dove, landed on his shoulder, and God's voice declared from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Then what happened? Then he went into the wilderness for 40 days and nights with Satan and had to use the word against Satan, come into agreement with what God said, and then when he came out of that, what did he do? He began to heal the sick. It says after he came out of that fast, what happened? It says then Jesus returned with power, the power of the Spirit to Galilee. News of him went throughout surrounding the region. 
and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So he's going around, and what had he been doing? He'd been healing the sick and doing all these amazing things, delivering people from demons and so on, and he was becoming famous. And now he comes down to his hometown of Nazareth, where he, used to, he grew up in church. Verse 14 says that he returned to that region, right? It says, then Jesus, in the power of the Spirit of Galilee, in the power of of the spirit to Galilee and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. Verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as the custom was, he went into the synagogue on, Sab on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Why did he find a place where it was written? Because this was a tradition, and this was a season of time, and they had a chair behind them that when the Messiah returns, he's going to sit in that chair. No one's allowed to sit in this chair behind where Jesus was speaking, right? And Jesus went to the Scripture, which was tradition without impartation. They had been doing this for hundreds of years, really thousands of years, they had been doing this thing where they would come in and have Sabbath and have church and wait for the Messiah to show up in that chair, and then they'd get up and read scriptures about the Messiah, read from the scrolls about him, about his coming and who he'll be and what he'll be. And that's a good thing to do. But see, a lot of times we get so caught up in our tradition, our habits, and even though they're good traditions and good habits, we miss the impartation. You see, as a pastor... I look around and I see a lot of the church of Bethel getting an impartation of more. More. More anointing for healing and deliverance and freedom and finances and careers and promotions, huh? And winning the loss and salvation. More. Everybody say more. But there's always some that haven't received the impartation, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to help you understand it today, and maybe you can get in the flow. And I, well, this is not hype. We're not trying, oh, there's a move, there's this or that. Hey, it is what it is. All I know is when God shows up, I want to be there. How about you? That's all I know. And he can do it however he wants to. He's God and I'm not, so that's fine. And so as we think about it and the flow, there's many, you know, and you think about it, at least in this church, you do get to see the anointing if you don't know the anointing. You get to see testimonies like Evelyn. You get to see people healed. You get to see people saved. You get to see people filled. 99.9% of the churches don't have any of that. They don't even have one or two salvations every five or six years. I mean, the stats would blow your mind. That's why God sent men of God from Nigeria to bring revival and other nations to bring revival back to us who he launched it with and took it overseas. Thank God those missionaries sowed seed and now that seed's come back to help harvest us. But God wants us also to have a harvest too. But we got to understand anointing. Everybody say understand anointing. So here he is reading that. Verse 18, he starts to read it. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, that's tradition to them. That's what's in the scripture, right? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's done what? He's anointed me to preach the gospel 
to the poor. So here's what I want you to get. What is the anointing? I love one definition of it. The anointing is an activator. Somebody say activator. The anointing is an activator. It takes what God has placed inside of you and activates it to accomplish God's destiny for your life. It takes what God placed, has placed inside of you and activates it to accomplish God's destiny for your life. See, your destiny is never lonely. Your destiny never just, your, your destiny is inclusive. God's not going to waste his anointing. He's not going to waste your destiny. He's going to always have people in your life for you to reach out to. The anointing activates the power of God in your life, giving you the ability to do seemingly the impossible. The anointing activates the power of God in your life, giving you the ability to do the seemingly impossible. Well, it is impossible to you, right? That's what we say, but God, right? It is impossible to us. We can't heal the sick. We can't do anything but God. Why is that? The Bible says that his, his treasure is in these earthen vessels. What His spirit is in every born-again believer. You say, well, I don't have an anointing. You are anointed. You just haven't activated it yet. What happens is when you begin to activate Holy Spirit who's in you, the Bible says in Romans, says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit living in you. The same spirit. See, we just read that like they did Isaiah. Okay, read it. Yeah, he's going to show up. He's going to be cool. He's going to you know, anoint and break off. The, the, the. Oh, yeah, same Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead inside of me. Did you hear that? The same Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you are blood-bought and born again, is in you right now able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. All things are possible to what? Them that believe. Why is it? The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. He's not going to respect a Christian over an unbeliever either. Some of you think just because I'm a Christian, I should get a promotion. Well, maybe you should work harder. Study more. Be more faithful. God's no, he's not going to respect you. He's not going to respect the righteous over the unrighteous. If he did, he'd be a liar. Well, just because I'm saved, I should be healed. Well, you are healed by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53, but you've got to activate it. You're looking for me, and sometimes I, God uses me and others to come together and activate things in your life, and that's good. But do you know the greatest anointing of all is resident in you right now? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Greater is he, who is that? Holy Spirit that is in me, that is in this sickness, that is in this poverty, that is in this worry, that is in this anxiety, that is in this fear. So you say, man, you say that every service, Pastor. Of course I do, because I can't do nothing without him. But what I want you to do is you realize who is in you. 
And, and as you begin to, what is impartation? It's smearing, it's rubbing. It's, it's, we'll talk about that in a minute, the different facets of what impartation is. Because a lot of things, you, impartation, you catch. And then you get knowledge of it. You receive, and then you learn about it. I get revelation, and I'm still trying to figure out what the revelation is. Just like when God gave me the revelation and the vision of two streams come together, integrity and faith in his word, demonstration and manifestation of his glory. It took me years to kind of get a handle on what it is. And I'm still learning more and more about it all the time. Somebody say activation. So what does it say? He said, the spirit of the Lord comes upon me because he has what? Anointed me. Now, now remember I told you earlier what anointing means. In, in, in the Greek language, the same word for Christ in the English is translated anointed one or anointing, I mean. And then the same word for Messiah, you know, he who's with us or whatever. Messiah in the Hebrew, the same Greek, the same English word for that is translated anointed one. So it's all about the anointing of the anointed one. The anointing of the anointed one. Well, what, what is the anointing? It's a benefit that comes from the anointed one. It's part of his attributes. It's part of his gift package. It's part of his personality and person and who he is. And what happens is he begins, if you have faith, you can do all things through faith, right? With faith, Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. Why? Because you're not activating your destiny to its fullest. But when we activate our destiny, how do we do that? We tap in and activate the one that's in us. Is this helping anyone? Coming into Christmas, that's why I wanted to do this. Man, coming into Christmas, people, it's not just Christmas. You know what that means? Christ Mass. It's a, a service, a Mass, but it's, Christ, it's anointed service. And that's what the gospel is all about, is doing anointed services to others. It should be Christmas giving, not Thanksgiving. I mean, Christmas is a time to give. It's time to give your faith. It's time to give your love. It's time to give your presence. It's time to give your power. And I'm talking about presence as P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, not with the T-S at the end. Yeah, you give presents, but you really give your presence. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So, it says what? Spirit is on you to do what? He has anointed me what? To preach what? The gospel to the poor. Everybody say the gospel. So what is the gospel? I love this definition of it. The word itself comes from a Greek word, eulogelion, which literally means good news. In the New Testament, it refers to the announcement that Jesus has, bought, has brought the reign of God to our world through his life, death, and resurrection from the dead. And another, and another thing it is, the gospel is what? I'd say tell the truth about God. The gospel is not just talking about Jesus and who he was and who he is and who he will be. And it's not just talking about what he's done and what he will do. It's talking about all the parallels and, and how Jesus has. See, the best message you can ever preach is your testimony. So well, my testimony, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, it is. If it wasn't, you'd be in hell when you die. It's a big deal. But what you think is not a big deal to you can win thousands of people to the Lord. 
It can win people at work to the Lord. It can win people in your family to the Lord. Why do you say, you think I'm just one up here bright? Oh, I drank Michelob and thought I was bleeding to death. Is this Michelob? I didn't do that for that. I don't even like talking about that stuff. I never talk about that stuff, except sometimes when I'm preaching. Why am I doing it? Because I know there's somebody out there, and you think there's no hope for you because maybe you're an alcoholic or a big-time party or you've blown it in your life so many times and messed up. But you say, well, if God could do that for that crazy preacher, he could do it for me. You see, it's, it's not John 3, 3, but it's the gospel. Because I'm telling the truth about God that even before I was saved, someone was interceding for me, my mama, my grandma, my others, and they were interceding on my behalf, and God intervened and intercepted what would kill me. And it's a lot like grace. I didn't deserve it. But in that grace, say impartation. So what I want to do is you received so much impartation over the last two months here, and I want to kind of unwrap it so, so you can sustain it and grow it. Everybody say grow it. So when we look at this, he's talking about what? The anointing, which is really talking about the, the, so the anointing. And what, what's this anointing to do? He said the spirit of the Lord. What's he saying? The same spirit raised Christ from the dead now is on him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the truth about God to the poor. You say, well, poor, you know, what about the rich people? He's talking about poor not just naturally, but in spirit. You're poor when you don't have anything. You're poor when you don't have any of God. And everybody he's talking to doesn't have any of God. He's also talking to those who are poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What's that word mean, oppressed? It's, it means to exercise dominion against. Those that have, have, uh, have the enemy has exercised his dominion. And I want to stop there for a second because the Holy Spirit brought this up to me last night as I was preparing for you. You hear me a lot of times say, that's a spirit of infirmity, right? Like when I was praying for people with sugar diabetes or diabetes or diabetics, what was I saying? That's a spirit of infirmity. Someone battling cancer, that's a spirit of infirmity. Someone that's battling all kinds. It just to get over one sickness, another one happens, and then to get over that, and another one happens, or you got five at one time. It's a spirit of infirmity. Now, that spirit is not in you, and it, it, it's not even really manifested. That's why you're like, well, I just was born with diabetes, or I had this come on my life. I didn't do anything to draw it. No, you didn't. The root of the disease is the spirit of infirmity. I said the root of the disease is the spirit of infirmity. You're not carrying a spirit of infirmity. You're carrying a disease that its root comes from the spirit of infirmity. What is a spirit of infirmity? It's, it's just a, like a fallen angel almost. It's, it's a, it's, it, it, it came from the fall of Adam and Eve. There was no disease until they turned on God, right? And because of the curse that was on them, it came on everyone that's born in this planet. And we all fight different kinds of infirmities. Some, you're healthy, but you fight a financial infirmity. Some of you are financially fine, you fight a physical infirmity. Some of you are physically fine, financially fine, but you're fighting a mental infirmity. So, so what I want you to realize, when I talk about a spirit of infirmity, it is real, but it is the root of the matter. It's not like it's on you. But a lot of times when I'm praying for someone, I break a spirit of infirmity. 
what am I? I'm going beyond you and what's going on in your body back to the beginning of where it came on this planet and stomping it out, breaking the oppressed and setting them free. You don't hear that in the cemetery, I mean seminary. I talk about the seminary. I never went to a seminary, but I do have my master's of divinity. I don't ever, I don't think I ever talk about that much. So I understand one or two things. That's what I loved about Brother Shambach. He could talk theology with anyone, blow you away, but he'd get up there and you'd think he's just this big tall hillbilly preaching from Texas. But other people didn't get people out of wheelchairs and whole cities and nations saved. Say, so he's going somewhere. Say, so don't get nervous, Ethel. He's going somewhere. So when he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and said, and sat down. And all eyes were on him in the synagogue were fixed on him. You know why they're fixed on him? That cease not for you, boy, move over. That's for the Messiah. Who does he think, that little boy from Galilee, who's he think he is? Just because he's healed a few people. Thinks he's the son of God? And, and, and he probably could have convinced him right there. But instead, he provoked him. <laughs> There's times you want God to convince you, but instead, he provokes you. Well, if you were really God, you would heal me. If you were really God, you would move. If you were really God, well, maybe he's just going to you, let you get a little upset so you can get some of that junk out of your life and get what you need in your life. Whew, that's hot. All eyes were fixed on him. Then what's he say? He could say, well, now you remember all those miracles I had over here and what I'm doing? And, oh, you three stand up, I'll heal you. And you, No. Because that, they needed the truth more than they needed a sign and wonder. Signs and wonders promote the truth, but the truth is what sets you free. No, the truth is who sets you free. Look at this. He said, today... This scripture's fulfilled in your hearing. Oh my goodness, what? You're the Messiah? So all bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? I mean, he had him right there, man. You think about it. He had him. All the marvelous, gracious words. And he says he's the Messiah. And he's so gracious and loving. And the words and the wisdom. I mean, isn't he Joseph's son? But I guess. And then Jesus says, Because he even said in Matthew's gospel, he said, the, thief, the only thief of my power is unbelief. And it comes from the traditions of men. We've we seen it a certain way. We expect it a certain way. If we don't get it that way, we just don't believe. Well, that's not worship. Not what I grew up on. Well, you just never grew up. Well, you know, that's not preaching. We, we did it. That's not teaching. That's not God. What do you mean it's not God? You mean it just didn't happen from the traditions you grew up with? So who made you God? Oh, could you introduce yourself to me, the second Holy Spirit, I guess. Well, Spirit, I don't know if it's holy. Who am I, who am I to decide what's anointing? I, I, you see me, man, I, I, I'll go. If I feel God said or did or do, I'm crazy enough to try it because I'm like, hey, 
God, if you want me to go left, I'll go left and turn in a circle for two days. I want whatever it is. And what happens is you see us up here flowing and the team flowing. What are we doing? We just want, i got a message and this and that, but I want to do what God wants for that moment because there's a truth he's hitting across to someone that I don't even know about in here. So look, look, he has him in his hand. Please never say he had him in his hand. He did, he did. I'll, I'll read that one verse to you, then I'll go. It says, so they bore witness to him, and they marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And then he said to them, go, Jesus. You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. That's a proverb. So he said, said but yeah, whatever you, you heal yourself. And he said, well, you healed all those people. Now, now, now heal your city. You, you've healed these people in Ephesus and, and not Ephesus at that time, but Philippi, and you've healed them in, in Capernaum and down around Gal, the Galilean Sea. You've healed them. You're, you're in Nazareth. Now heal yourself. Whatever, heal your family. Heal your cousins. Heal the people you grew up with. Heal, heal yourself is what they're saying. Heal yourself. Heal your community. He said, well, you've done all these things that's really cool, Jesus, but now we say heal yourself. And what is he? And he's, he's given them that. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum do also here in your country. Then he said to him, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three and a half years. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to the one widow in Zarephath, which wasn't his hometown or his home country. The word Zarephath, it means place of refinement. God sent him to the place of refinement, to this widow. In the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. But, but see, remember when I tell you about Ah, remember when Peter and John went to the temple and there was a lame man? It's the same temple Jesus worshiped in when he was in that city. And he'd been there, I think, 38 years or ever how long, you know, ever just begging. His family put him out there and made a lot of money begging, begging alms. And Peter looked at him and John said, Silver and gold we have none, but as we have, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And they pulled him up and he walked, and it's a miracle. Why didn't Jesus heal him when he walked by him every time he went in the temple? Well, you know, preacher, they got healed up there, but I don't get healed. Or they got healed. My mama didn't get healed. They got healed. My... See, see, we're not here to question it. We're here to say, yes, sir. Next, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to give? How do you want me to serve? Ooh, quiet in the Holy Ghost house. And all the saints slept. Okay, so. I'm not used to wearing these reading things. Drive me nuts. So, but he wasn't sent to any other ones but this one. Now look at this, verse 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, his protege, Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian who, wasn't, who was the enemy of Israel. 
getting that little revelation Jesus is getting? That's the gospel. Jesus is illustrating to them. In other words, you don't get to pick who the Messiah is, bud. God already did it, and I'm sitting in the seat. Now they're ticked off. So you're not going to heal any of us. You're not going to do any miracles in our city. So he arose in the synagogue, and when they heard, they arose in the synagogue. All those in the synagogue, when they heard this, these things were filled with wrath, anger, right? Rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they were going to throw him what? Over the brow of a hill. But he passed through them in the midst of them and went away. An angel helped get him through there, right? And then he went down to Capernaum and did all these miracles and healed people and did all these great things. But why, why does I tell you that? Don't expect God to move the way you've always seen him move. Well, you healed them. Why don't you heal me? Well, you know, he healed one guy, Simon, wasn't it? And he, he had to spit on dirt and make it mud and put it over his eyes. He healed people different. Some just say, rise up and walk. And, and at the pool of Bethesda, when he healed the one man, remember, in Luke 5, that was laying there, the pool of Bethesda, house of grace, place of outpouring, and he asked the man, why are you here? He already knew, but he said, why are you here? And the man said, well, whenever the angel of the Lord comes down, he stirs the water, and the first one that stir, the water stirred, when they touch the water, they're instantly healed of whatever infirmity they have. But I have, well, what about you? Well, I have no man to put me in. He was apparently paralytic. He couldn't move. He couldn't walk. He couldn't get in. But he was still there. And felt shame and unworthiness because will there ever be a man that will put me in the water? The word terrasso means to agitate, to stir. Things are stirred in the spirit right now. You can catch stuff that you would blow your mind. You can catch anointings and giftings and talents and provision and favor. Like it, it, it's, it's here. It's in your home. It's in your car. It's all around you. But you got to receive the impartation because right now we're living under an open window from heaven right now. I'm just telling you. There's been some financial miracles in the church when people feel like it. They can tell them some major miracles. Healings, all kinds of stuff, restoration. And that's something we want to keep doing is because your story is someone else's gospel. Your story is their gospel. Your testimony is their gospel. What's the Bible say? Testimony by the what? The blood of the lamb? The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. That's what your testimony is. It, 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 what's it do? It exalts the blood of the lamb, the what? The word of your testimony. Because when you give the word of your testimony about what the blood of the lamb did for you, it is someone else's gospel. To you, it's just history. But to them, it's the gospel. And when we think about that, guys, how that we're here to operate under the anointed the anointing of the anointed one. He's equipped us. He, he, he's given us what it takes to get it done. Say, I have what it takes to get it done. I was going to get into the gospel. But I'll do that more next week. But I, want, I do want to do this. Isaiah 10, I love what some of the things that Pastor Toye said, too, about the anointing. And that's the thing I love about David, and I've always referred myself, I think he's my favorite in the Bible other than Jesus is David. You say, well, how could he? He's a murderer and a adulterer. He's the one that brought Jesus. It came through his lineage. So 
But what I loved about him, he was a man after God's own heart. He was crazy enough to do. I don't always do what God asks me, but I do my best to, and when I don't, God won't let me rest, and I eventually have to repent and do it. Because God's no respecter of persons. And that's what I love about David. And David is the one that really brought praise into the church, right? Right in so many of the Psalms, and he would praise God and celebrate God in the good times and the bad times. And I love the part about what we teach a lot here about the miracle of multiplication out of John 6 and how he talked about it as being those fish, whatever you have in your hands when you praise him because he did say in John 6, hallowed be thy name, right? When they prayed, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, wasn't it? Jesus was praising God. And when he praised God, and as he just kept reaching it out, it just kept multiplying to the disciples. And they said in Psalm 121, God will preserve and protect the blessing of those who praise him. But here, here's, here's something I loved, and I, I resonate with this. I love that too, but the anointing will make you king in your domain. Well, what is a kingdom? King domain is what it means, king domain. It, it's the domain that you're in charge or in authority of, and God wants you to be the king of your domain, the queen of your domain of your life, of your decisions, of wherever you're at at that moment to dominate, not dominate people, dominate yourself. You're not trying to get domination over a ministry, a business, a family member. You're trying to get domination over your own stinky, smelly soul is what you're trying to get domination on. When you can rule the domain as here and here, nothing's impossible for you. Because we already know greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, but I can't activate it if I don't give him dominion of it. So I love what Prophet Trout, he'll be here first a year, I can't wait. But I, I, uh, yeah, I love what he says. You have not submitted until you submit when you disagree. You're not here to get, you're here to give. I'm not here to get from you, I'm here to give to you. I'm not here to get, I'm here to receive. I want to receive so I can give, and that's the gospel. And you receive all the wisdom you've gotten, all the, you know, just hearing Jay and Tracy's testimony of how they dated and got married and all the racist stuff they had to deal with and all the hurt and the pain and all the other stuff of him finally growing up and being a man like all of us have to do. And, talks about that. When you're a man, you get it. And to watch him love that girl, he's crazy about her, man. She's crazy about him. We don't know all that. We don't know everything they've been through. I don't know what it costs to be them. I just know little nuggets they've shared with me, which is the gospel. You never underestimate the power of that, man. Never underestimate the power of the gospel. The truth about what God has done for you. Not just the truth about who God is, some ethereal God out there. No, who God is for you. Humble ourselves. It's okay. You know, for years, you know, me, persistence and going for it, and I'm going to pray here in a minute, or two or three, <laughs> 10, 15. Sometime today, I'm going to pray. So, just see if you were awake. So, 
Humble yourself now. Come on now. Oh, shoot. What was I saying before I, before I so rudely interrupted myself? I don't know what I was saying. It was something really good. I mean, Kobe, they missed it. Huh? See, Kobe, you're going to pray. He's like, <laughs> it's something right before that, though. Yeah, yeah, so as we do this, guys, what I want you to get in the impartation that I want you to get is the anointing is a person. And what you're doing, the Bible talks about many cases where Samuel anointed David and different people's been anointed in the Bible, right? The anointing also, I guess, I don't know, I don't know my English grammar, I don't know, is that adjective when you describe something and a adverb when it's action and a high adjective when you describe something and what is it when you rub or smear something that's an action right that's a noun is it or verb see hey ask a woman that can speak three languages she'll tell you speak french english i don't know what else you can speak speak james language that's a miracle right there <laughs> speak that james language and you're really annoying she, she, she can speak four languages and the kids are saying, amen, Pastor. <laughs> so before I rudely interrupted myself, I was right here, right? <laughs> what was I talking about before I did that? Action. So, so anointing is not only, so a person's a pronoun, right? Or noun. Huh? Noun. What is a pronoun? Huh? She, it. It's referring to the person. A noun is a person in the first tense, right? So, anointing, an anointed one. So, the noun, right, anointed one, gives you his anointing. So, that is something you have, and that word means to smear or to rub on, like an oil or a fragrance. So, what am I smearing and rubbing on? I'm smearing and rubbing on the attributes of the anointed one. Let me close with this. This, this. I didn't intend on doing this, but I'm going to do it. Thank you all for being so patient with me. I'll blow you away with this. Then I won't have time to put you back together, so hopefully you'll come back again after I do this with you. I want to show you how serious this stuff is. This is how serious the anointing is, people. You know, you can have your little opinion and think how smart you are, and you're going to prove everybody wrong. Well, you... See, who's, who are you going to get to pray for you when you can't take care of yourself? Okay. I don't know why I'm saying all this. Somebody's been naughty and not nice. That's all I can say. I, I could be here in a great mood. Listen to this. First John. When I first read this, it took me back. First John, verse 18. Little children. Isn't that the way we always come to God, right? Little children. It is the last hour. Do you believe it's the last hour? And as you have heard that the Antichrist, what's that? The anti-anointed one. The ones that are anti towards the anointing. The Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists. So he's saying, yeah, there is one Antichrist, the big Antichrist, right? But he said, even now, there are many Antichrists. Well, what's an Antichrist? They don't, they don't believe that Jesus is Lord, I guess. So they're anti. They're against God. 
more than that. They're against his anointing. You, you see, it's like you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. He's not here, he's coming. He could be around now, but he's coming. Huh? First John chapter uh, 2, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 18. Thank you, dear. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists, plural, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Who is it? The ones that are anti-anointing. They don't believe it or they butt against it. They're that, that weird stuff or how's that person get healed or how's that happen? Or, and what we're doing, we're coming against the attributes of God. Then it says, verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would be with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest or seen that none of them were of us. In other words, they want to declare, I'm not around those crazy tongue talkers. I'm not around those crazy people believing for prosperity. I'm not around those crazy people believing for healing. Better watch it because God is the healer, the savior, and the provider. You might not like the way it was presented, but humble yourself so you can rule your domain. Or Satan will rule your domain. Hmm. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. In other words, it's talking about you know everything is in you. You just got to get a revelation of it. Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They've been right here. Genesis 1 said, you know, I don't have time to get in all that. But all three of them were there, right? When God announced that both male and female and all that. So anyway, look. Verse 24, jump down. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son of God and the Father, in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us. What? Eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So in other words, he's saying there were some people in our midst, and now they're coming against Teaching, the teachings of Christ and the demonstration of Christ. They like some of it, but not most of it or whatever, and they're, they're trying to draw people away to their own doctrine. He said, but the anointing which in you you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Now, there are some people, well, I don't need a teacher, bless God, I'm anointed. You're a dummy. Who doesn't need teaching? What he's talking about, true teaching is taught under the anointing. He's talking about, you could be taught all kinds. We had some people, young guys in this church got so goofy with, oh, I don't even know if I believe in tongues anymore. I don't even know if I believe in this anymore. I, uh, you know, they're online watching some goofy preacher that don't believe in the supernatural, and they're running around preaching that gospel. That's many years ago, so you don't know who it is. And I just felt sorry for them and tried to talk to them and loved them all I could love them and help them. But they still just kind of did. I don't know what they're doing now, but they just kind of went on doing it. But, but at one time, they were anointed love. Man, they, they probably still love God, but they were anointed. They, God had a great marking on their life. And 
I'm sure they're doing things for God, but not at the capacity I believe that God wanted to do. Because you can't speak against God where two are divided, right? A house can't stand. All the church can't stand if anybody's individual. No, dummy, you can't stand. You're the house where the spirit and the treasure of God abides. Well, I'm sorry, I got to stop saying that. That's, forgive me, Lord, dummy. I mean, dummy. I'm the dummy usually anyway. So, But in this vessel, in this earthen vessel, treasure of Holy Spirit lives in me. You get that? So a house divided can't stand. Yeah, it talks about a family and a church, but most importantly, it's in your domain. If I'm divided in my belief system, I can't, I, 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 I'm going to fail. If I'm divided, I believe in salvation and not healing, what am I going to do if I'm dying with cancer? I guess it's die and go to heaven early. What am I going to do battling addiction? What am I going to do if my child's battling addiction? I don't believe in supernatural events and we've tried everything. A house divided will fall. And what I'm so proud of you is that you're open to learn. And even if you don't understand it, you don't have to understand it. And you don't even have to totally trust it. Just be open to it. God will confirm it. But the anointing which you have received will teach you all, teach you. But the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and this is true, this is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Verse 28, and now, little children, abide in him, that which when he appears, he may have confidence, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him in his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everybody who practices righteousness is born of God. Then he starts going into the manner of love and all that. Why, why did I do all that? Because I want you to understand when you pursue the anointing, you're pursuing a person. One of the parts of the Godhead, Holy Spirit. Really, Jesus who has Holy Spirit operate. You see, God is in heaven. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit is the, the third person of the Godhead that is with us. The Bible calls him Parakletos, the one called alongside us. You're not here to preach about the gospel. You're here to preach with the gospel. You're not here to preach under the gospel. You're here to preach with it. What are you talking about? You're not here to be under who God is and what he said. Of course you are his son, his daughter, his child. How can I say it? The gospel telling the truth about God and the story that's true about God is great, but when it's you're telling the truth about God and what Holy Spirit has done in you, then you're working with him. I was going to get into that day, and I'll get into it maybe next week. First or second Thessalonians, I can't remember. Talks about proving it. Somebody say, proving it. Well, I guess I'll stop. Hallelujah. I was so excited today, man. I couldn't wait to get here. Anybody else like that? I just couldn't wait to get here. 
pray for me tonight. My Bengals play right about the same time the Christmas party is. So. I pray they went in the first half so I could feel better while I'm here. Just, just being truthful. Did you hear some noise over there? I heard, thought I heard a noise. I don't know what it was. Some mammal plays. No, the dolphins are having a good year. And even in the midst of all that, I can still hear God. Isn't it a miracle that I can still hear God in the midst of all that? Bow your heads. Speak, Holy Spirit. Not what's on my heart, my mind. You speak, Holy Spirit, what's on your heart, your mind for us today. For each person individually, what are you saying to them? Just as you declared to us a couple weeks ago, what are we doing right now that we need to do less of? What are we doing right now that we need to do more of? What are we not doing right now that we need to begin to do? Speak to us, Holy Spirit, so we can grow in you. Holy Spirit, just open our hearts and our minds to love, to understand, to grow, to mature, so that we can be a great blessing to you and your kingdom. I thank you for every person or sound of my voice. I thank you for your salvation and power of the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your beautiful love, your peace, and your joy this morning. Right now, Lord, I just speak rest over all of us, that we rest in your arms. We rest in your anointing. We rest in your presence. Father, anyone that's been anti-anointed and didn't even realize it maybe, touch their heart today. I pray they repent today so they can experience you in the fullness and be open to receive all you have for them. Holy Spirit, teach us to be the king or the queen of our domain, of our heart, of our mind, of our influence today. We love you, sir. We honor you, and we give thanks, and we give praise in Jesus' mighty name. Give God a big shout of praise if you would. <laughs>